everybody. Welcome to Tarot Talk with Shannon and Kathy. Today on the show, we are wrapping up. Well, we're not wrapping anything, actually. We have two We've movies. Unwrapped. <laughs> we're unwrapping. We unwrapped, and now we're wrapping up the new year, the old Our year. Our gifts are sitting in the nude. <laughs> we're wrapping up 2021, which I know everybody had a lot of hopes for it being a whole lot better than 2020. But, you know, that's up to the personal opinion of you and your loved ones, how 2021 wrapped up for you. So today on the show, we're doing A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child, and also Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. So we're going to talk about those things. But first, it's that lull between Christmas and New Year's. It is. I don't know. It's it's also relaxing. I mean, I mean, I realize it's a lull, but it's also a little bit relaxing. I don't know. I think so too. I one of the things I know we've talked about on the Discord is Boxing Day, and yeah. so for people who either live in you know places like England, parts of Europe, Canada, Boxing Day is awesome because it just acknowledges that you know historically it's kind of sad why we have Boxing Day, right? But if you use it for what it is, it's pretty cool, which is just acknowledging you know a lot of Americans is like okay back to work, and it's like no 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 no, <laughs> calm down. Yeah. You can actually take another day off. And just really enjoy the day after where you allow yourself to just sort through your stuff, put things away, have leftovers, watch movies. And I kind of like to think about that week leading up to New Year's New Year's as that if you're able to take some work off or even if you just, you know, take the weekend to do that. I know the holiday fell on the weekend this year for us, but I agree. I mean, there's always a big crescendo with Christmas and then after there's this like wow we you know we can't we're coming off of this we spent all this money and we you know opened all these gifts and watched all these movies and drank all this booze or this hot cocoa or whatever our choices and now wow yeah it's over but you know it's all in how you look at it <laughs> yeah it's a crescendo and then you have the denouement afterwards right just a little bit yeah. of like wrapping stuff up reflection i guess and looking at your credit card bill perhaps and i know that student loans are starting up again in january you know they were suspended for covid for those of you who don't have student loans and wouldn't know that their payments were suspended for i don't know the last couple of years i guess and mm -hmm. they're starting back up in january and so a lot of different things are coming back in 2022. You know, we're back in the theaters. We're back. So the COVID, I mean, we have a new strain, but but the COVID recovery continues. People are yeah. traveling. Borders are opening up. People are going back to having to pay their bills. <laughs> things like that. That, that. that recovery is starting to go on the upswing. And it, for me, as part of that, Sundance is back in person. And so awesome. the 2022... Sundance Film Festival in Park City, Utah, is having a hybrid festival actually this year. So I am a volunteer at the festival and I go there and I work. And uh, this year I have a new job in the transportation department. So I'm really excited about that. I've been the lost and found coordinator for the last few years. So let me, let me explain. I used to work in the film industry and mostly TV, but I love to go to film festivals and I started volunteering at Sundance Film Festival about five years ago and it affords me a couple of things. One, I can give back to independent cinema, which, 
you know, I worked for the big man, you know, I worked for Viacom and Paramount and Universal, and I was part of that sort of big television wheel. But what I always truly loved was independent cinema. And so given my, given that it's a amateur labor of love now and not my job, I get to give my talents and my skills and my money and my effort to independent cinema and volunteering for Sundance is one of the ways that I do that. Plus, it's so different than what I do in the rest of my life that it gives me a mental break. Like I go there and work in the transportation department and I, I see my friends that I see. It's like adult camp for me. I go, mm. I hang out, I work all day and then I see movies all night or, or I work all night and I see movies all day, whatever works out my schedule to be and it's really enjoyable. But I did want to say they have a hybrid festival this year. So those of you who can't go to Park City, which is most people, there will be an online portion still because last year I supported with the online platform and it went really well. We worked out a lot of the kinks <laughs> and so there's an online version. And so you will be able to buy tickets and do things online. They have virtual meeting rooms. They have all the things that events have now online. So there'll be that and I will be there seeing movies. I wanted to mention a couple of films that are going to be there. One in particular, because I think Kathy needed to know, it's called You Won't Be Alone, and it stars Numi. <gasps> yeah, Numi Rapace. So in an isolated mountain village in 19th century Macedonia, a young girl is taken from her mother and transformed into a witch by an ancient shape-shifting spirit. Left to wander feral, the young witch beholds the natural world with curiosity and wonder. After an inadvertently killing a villager and assuming her body, mm -hmm, she continues to inhabit different people living among the villagers for years, observing and mimicking their behavior until the ancient spirit returns, bringing them full circle. So it's a debut fe feature of an Australian Macedonian writer-director. Mm -hmm. You Won't Be Alone. Numi Rapace, Alice Engler. Carlotta Coda and Sarah Klamoska in it. So I am excited about that. It's in the World Cinema Dramatic Competition. And one of my hacks for Sundance is that I go to a lot of the World Cinema Dramatic and a lot of the World Cinema Documentary movies because they're not as hard to get into as, mm. you know, the premier American star-driven <laughs> movies that yeah. go to Sundance. So I love seeing those because a lot of them don't get picked up. Like you don't mm -hmm. see them anywhere for a year or two. And it'll be two years later. I'll be like, Oh, I saw that at Sundance a couple of years ago. But so I'm yeah, looking, will you let me know if you run in new me? I will. I will let her know of your passion. I mean, all she has to do is listen to one episode of horror facts with Kath. <laughs> That's all it's going to take. Right. There's some, uh, at Sunday. <laughs> yeah, for sure. She's going to immediately want your phone number, I think. Oh, instantly. Uh -huh. There's a section at Sundance called the Midnight Programming, and it is generally the horror movies. And there's a couple in there that I'm really looking forward to. One is called Hatching. Tinja's mother showcases her their family's existence on her popular blog, Lovely Everyday Life, as a brightly hued domestic idol set amid a manicured suburban perfection. So that's sort of the setting. <laughs> but it's a coming-of-age body horror film. And for nice. those of you who know me at all, you know I like one, satire, and two, body horror. And the picture is of a of a young girl with a gigantic egg on her bed. 
So I'm Ew. thinking it hatches and oh. there's, oh. yeah. <laughs> it's the slim girl and she brings this strange egg home and then of course it hatches and there's a creature so i want to see that for sure (laughs) i know you don't and i tell me what's inside that egg and then i might go see it (laughs) you can warn me if it's too disgusting because if it's a spider i'm not there Yeah, I don't know what it is yet. I just know this little girl's going to be. It's like ipso facto that mosquito mommy. film that that mosquito <laughs> film that we watched was enough. I was oh. scratching the skin off through that whole thing. That was so good though. Mosquito I'm state. Just think, I know, but I was getting bit by mosquitoes outside when I was watching it. Well, I mean, and everything started to swell. I couldn't. And, and <laughs> the whole. And then he, the way that he got, he like turned into, what's his face from the fly? The whole mm-hmm. that was really. Wow. Anyway, I good digress. flick if you haven't seen it. By the way, really atmospheric and gross in, in a lot of ways. But lots of hatching. Yeah, lots of hatching. Anyway, that's uh, Sundance, and I'll be talking about some more movies I'm anticipating here in a couple of weeks. And then the last couple of weeks of January, I'll actually be at Sundance, so we will be uh, recording a little bit ahead of time for that. I believe you had an article that you wanted to chat about. I do. I thought this was a an interesting article. Sometimes we don't think about when we give people compliments. Sometimes we have to be careful and realize that they're not always a compliment. For example, and I think we've talked about this on the show before, mm-hmm. complimenting about somebody's weight is something that I don't generally do mm-hmm. unless they know exactly what's going on and they bring it up. Then I'll I'm not going to ignore them, but I'm saying it's not something I typically initiate. Because like, oh, you look great. You've lost weight, stuff like that. Right. And we mm-hmm. don't know why someone might lose weight. It could be trauma. It could be an eating disorder. It could be they don't have enough money to eat. Right. So we need to be careful. It could be illness. Right. So I found another one that's a little bit similar by Health and Wellness. It came out on November 29, 2021. So it's pretty recent. It was in USA Today. And the title is, You're So Mature for Your Age, isn't Mm. always a compliment. Sometimes Mm -mm. it's from trauma. So I just wanted to put this on people's radar. And the article, I'm just going to read a little bit of it here. On the outside, Joyce Wirt wasn't like the other little girl. She was mature, polite, and responsible, never complaining or asking anyone for help. But she didn't want to be that way. Her mature behavior was a side effect of her traumatic upbringing. And behind her independent persona was a kid who lost her childhood. For as long as she couldn't, could remember, Wirt was emotionally and physically abused by her alcoholic father. Memories that left her feeling unwanted and unloved. She wasn't safe at school either due to relentless bullying and she coped silently with disordered eating at nine years old, battling thoughts of suicide by 11. She says, the reason I say the trauma matured me is because I was never taught what love was. I was never taught anything, really, says Wirt, now 22. I had to grow up fast because I was in survival mode. I had to learn how to survive in a house that was incredibly dysfunctional. So it goes on, and they they even ask how they talk to Paris Jackson, how she said, you know, or she comments on how the paparazzi traumatized her at a young age. And, and then they go on to have, um, you know, an LPCC talk a little bit about uh, more about this in depth. But I thought that was an, just an important Sometimes these little pieces of information can um, just make us more mindful when we, you know, we, we can be well intended, mm-hmm. right? You know, sometimes 
we're saying something and we don't realize the impact of it. Yeah, I think it's a really important topic that you bring up. And it's so it's so much about so many things like you can just just the senselessness of, you know, not it's well intended in the sense that you're people will say, well, I was just trying to make conversation, stuff like that. And I know with food, that becomes a real issue because you'd be surprised. Like if you think about yourself and you become, just take a day and be very aware of what you say to others. And I think you might realize you might be one of those people that comments on people's food. And I think a lot of people do that mindlessly. Like, Oh, you're not having any lunch today? Or, oh, wow. Um, oh, yeah, soda. Yeah, I gave up soda, I, uh, but I really miss it. I can see you're drinking a Diet Coke. That's really great. You know, there's all of these like judgments that we come from with food that uh, yeah. <laughs> you just don't know if you're talking to someone that has anorexia, bulimia, binging, any of those kinds of things. Like, just don't comment on people's food. Don't comment on people's weight. I understand you're just trying to be kind and complimentary and make conversation. But I, I would I would urge you to just be really aware of how many times you comment on people's food, appearance, Mm-hmm. Or, or don't the day. ask someone to try something or, you know, just try just a little. You're so thin. You can, you know, yeah, eat a pizza do right. eat a, or, or like, you know, try this or eat that or, you know, just if someone says no, we don't have to analyze it. No, just leave it. Nope. Like, hey, yeah. do you want a cookie? Nope. OK, cool. I just move on. And, Move on. and just because you want company in your cookie eating <laughs> doesn't mean that that person needs to do it with you. <laughs> so like, leave I've it al- alone. I've also, I've also found and mo- more typically women will do this because the stigma around eating that women will love to watch other women eat sweets. So oh, just, just eat it, eat it. Come on. You know, but they won't. And there'll, there'll be this huge obsession around having a lot of food around that they never eat, but they want to watch other people eat it. Uh, I've seen that too. And I always, that's usually a big sign of disordered eating for me. Notice mm-hmm. they won't touch it, but they have it around because they're vicariously, they're eating it while watching other people eat it. So there's a lot of subtleties that we, um, we just have, like Shannon said that really nicely, just, you know, move on. Yeah. Move to the next topic. Let it go. Yeah. And it can and, happen a lot around the holidays with food. Oh my gosh. And I'm sure, you know, we're talking about this topic right after the holidays. So maybe you can reflect on the like, mm-hmm. oh, you should have a third helping of mashed potatoes. <laughs> no, thank <Yeah>. you. <laughs> you can afford it. Yeah, you can afford. Yeah, oh God, there's so many things. Just reflect on what you say and what you perceive about people's eating too and your judgments around it. Just might be good to be a little bit more conscious around that. But you were also talking about some other ways we project and and judge others with the things that we say like subtly like passive aggressively right yeah. we don't really realize we're doing it i also wanted to mention like i know that kathy is working on some new merch because i know there have been people in the social medias and in emails and stuff along the way asking for beanies beanies mm-hmm. and i don't know what else are you thinking about and this is the creative part where we haven't made these yet so calm you know yeah. like Calm down. I mean, I, I think we want to do some hats. We're going to do beanies. We're going to do some um, snapback hats. We'll probably do some patches. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. I, I need to get some of this. It's been the holidays. So my artist, uh, he's, you know, I'm trying not to push him too much because he course. does have a baby and a wife and all that. But I think he's he's pretty oh, much that. done with 
with the drawings. Um, and once I get those, you'll, I think you're going to be very pleased with some of the new art is really fun. But but yeah, you know, I'd love to do some beanies, some hats, um, some lanyards, you know, keychains, fun stuff like that. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, people don't even want to buy like a big thing. They just want to have some some uh, what do you call it? Flair. You know, we'll have some of that, too. Right. And it just it's a just a it's a way just to support us in a in a in a small way and a very right. a very appreciated way because also it's a you know you're you're repping for us and we really we just really appreciate that and the merch we've had so far is going really well you know we're we're a grassroots kind of operation around here so yeah. and it and it's and it's just a lot of fun and we just really appreciate you so we're gonna do that and i'm excited because i haven't even seen the new logo that kathy's been working on with her artist and i don't know what it is and it's going to be a surprise for me so you will hear my reaction <laughs> live and in real time one day when she shows it to me and we post it on social media or whatever so that's cool but fun. you know what the next thing there's this next thing we have to do mm -hmm. and it's a little segment. We like, she went high. She went high. Shannon, are you ready? There's a little bit of a trigger warning on a couple of these. I'm triggered. Yeah. If you hear uh, a really high pitched scream in the back, my son who has four legs, He's barking at something, so I apologize if you mm -hmm. hear that. Fair enough. Number one, this female insect fakes her own death to prevent rape. Wow. All right. Mm. Thank you for that. Number, number two, on Mount Everest, you have the Rainbow Valley, which is the last zone to climb. Why is it called the Rainbow Valley? Mm. Wow. No idea. Number three. Mm -hmm. During the French Revolution, people who were to be executed by the guillotine would fight to go first. Why would was this the case? Okay. Number four. Yuck. Which horror director started his career by directing hardcore porn? Mm-hmm. Mm and number five, this one is especially for Shannon. <laughs> Great. According to Mary Shelley, how tall and how heavy was Frankenstein's monster? Thank you for that. A good winter one. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. If you guys haven't read the source material for Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, one of my favorite books, go out, read it now. That's a good one. So there we are. There it is. So thank you so much for that, Kathy. Uh, next on the show, we're going to take a little break, but we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the fifth and sixth installment in the Nightmare on, A Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. So we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Nightmare on Elm Street continues. We have this one, and then we have one more 
episode with seven, eight, and nine in it, basically, which is like these first six kind of really are a series. And then mm-hmm. get some fakakta afterwards, <laughs> which we will talk about in its own episode. So today on the show, we are talking. Whoops, hello. You have some music. Uh, we're going to talk about A Nightmare on Elm Street, The Dream Child first, I guess. Number five. You know, I kept thinking, this shit is still gross. Yeah, this one actually, um, I thought there were something great practical effects in this one you bet the the well first of all the demon baby is disgusting but the, <laughs> the, just the the opening shower scene where she's drowning is really mm-hmm. like intense and yeah uh, th- that one like made me panic a bit also i i liked the the motorcycle scene with dan where freddie kind of looks like the terminator and starts like wrapping himself around him before he dies yeah there's some great there. practical effects in all these movies in my opinion like i had yeah. never i don't think i'd ever seen this movie before Five or six. I don't think I'd ever watched. This was, these came out in a period of life where I just, that wasn't what I was watching. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Can we talk about um, Greta and the scene where he's like, you are what you eat and Greta's mouth <laughs> oh, God, gets so, so, I, <sighs> so big and she just gets more and more stuffed with food. It's absurd. Yeah. And I've heard that actress talk about what that was like on the set and how, and how awful it was and how she was trapped in that bodysuit. Aesthetics on that. She was trapped in that bodysuit oh, for hours and hours and hours and hours. So, yeah. Very unpleasant, so, so as you one, might imagine. Oh, it looks terrible. So, for those of you who have not seen it, this is uh, from 1989. So, it takes place a year after number four. Yeah. Um, Alice and Dan, who have now left the hospital, have started dating, and there's no sign of Freddie. One day while taking a shower after having sex with Dan, she has a vision of herself dressed in a nun's habit with a name tag saying Amanda Kruger at a strange asylum. She is attacked by patients and wakes up. So we find out that Amanda is having a baby. Yeah. And this is a demon baby because it's Freddy's baby. <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh. It goes this whole origin story way, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they had such a low budget and such a fast schedule that they were literally just throwing shit on the screen. And you can kind of tell. The effects are not as good as in some of the other movies. Freddy's saying, it's a boy. <laughs> yeah. Some of these lines. Oh, um, well, that's the glory, right, of A Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, that's what people really love about these movies is his, his him and his moxie. I'd just like to say also that the, the birth scene, which is always incredibly tragic and gruesome and painful, I was mm. watching this while my niece was in labor. Ooh. So I'm going, oh, God. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, like sudden, that's I what mean, she's I, doing? <laughs> Like all of a sudden, I mean, I knew she wasn't having Freddie's baby, but yeah. it was like, no, she's doing this right now. And it, I, I got even more anxious for her because yeah. I was watching this horrific scene. Yeah. Um, I mean, there were some actual, this is one of the five is like a movie where they decided to actually try to make him scary again. You know, that he got, had gotten real campy and was on MTV they did. and doing yeah. the whole thing. And I mean, there's just, there's one scene with, you know, a thousand maniacs, you know, raping a nun type of thing, going to rape a oh nun, God. all that. It's yeah. just, uh, there's a shower drowning. That's like a mm-hmm. fear. I think of for a lot of people, like you can't get out the door and the thing's filling with water. And so you drown. There's, 
there's creepy creatures and the birth dreams and I, I it's just but you do get a lot of the um you get some backstory I guess you get more mm-hmm. Get to know Freddie more, and it's it was intended to be scarier. I think the effects, unfortunately, they just didn't have the budget to be have the practical like Freddie's effects, meaning his like face and everything, just wasn't as good as the previous movies. Yeah, it it kind of looked like a mask, didn't it? Yeah, looked like they just threw a yeah. mask on him. Yeah, it was it was not the same effects guy, is my understanding, and 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 you know, like I said, budget schedule, they were on a time crunch, so things had to go faster and be cheaper, and we know what happens with that. So, that's right. Freddy's Dead, the final nightmare, so lots of influences from like Twin Peaks and totally. stuff, and they had the whole. I guess they had a bunch of John Waters crew on that movie, and you can kind of oh, tell. interesting, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can kind of tell. You know, this is where we get to know. Well, first of all, a very young Breck and Meyer is in this. Yeah, uh, and Roseanne. I know it. Roseanne and Tom, and you know they were in it because they were just fans of the movie, and that's yeah. they they got put in the movie. They were just fans. This, I did like uh, in this one though that they go through the lineage a bit, and you learn about who he was before he becomes this. Uh-huh. And his daughter is in this, and, and his whole she... childhood story, all of mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I guess uh, Alice Cooper is Freddie's father. Yes, yeah, that's pretty cool. He's so, in this movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. Like... I mean, I I feel yeah. like I didn't recognize him because he didn't have all his makeup on, but um... <laughs> and he had a hat on, like his hair was all tucked up in it. But yeah, kept, that was I, Alice Cooper. I kept getting creeped out when I heard him say Catherine. <laughs> he said that. It, getting creeped i'm like stop yeah i mean i like the origin story i like the whole idea that you know being a son of a hundred maniacs and you know a thousand maniacs raped a nun and freddie was born and all of that what about the q-tip kill yeah jesus right through the right through the dome right through the dome that whole ear sequence is really gross you know, his head exploding and stuff. And, but there's a lot of inventive things in this movie as far as the time period, because you can Mm -hmm. really, like I was saying, you can really see the Twin Peaks influence is sort of that like offbeat humor and the John Waters influence from, for some of the things, a lot of the crew. And then, I don't know, the, the CGI was new, like movies just didn't really have CGI in mm-hmm. in them and so we see it now like the little flying demon heads and stuff at the end we we see it now and obviously it's, it's 1989 or whatever it looks bad but that was new for them it was and so they were kind of cutting edge with the technology there trying to do something new i want to mention there's one thing where i just laughed out loud and i'm i'm not sure i was supposed to I don't know. <laughs> I mean, a lot of this is funny, but I just wasn't sure I was supposed to laugh. There's one point at which one of the women is fighting him off. I think it's her, his, what ends up being his actual daughter. And he's on top of her or something. And she bites his nose. Oh, I don't know if I remember And he's that. like really upset and jumps off of her. <laughs> she, I'm like, really? We, That's all it takes? All you got to do is bite Freddie's nose really hard and he's like, ouch, and runs away. Like, okay. I mean, he doesn't exactly run away. They keep fighting, obviously, but that gets him off of her. It's like, oh, we're biting, we're biting noses. I don't know. What do you, do you think, too many people survived this movie? Well, I, I think there were too many people in it. Per, per fair, fair. Um, you know, the cast was massive and I and I do feel that it was really more about cameos and billings and all of that than it was about 
you know, Freddie's now incredibly famous. Like we talked about, he was on MTV. We have a lot of fans in the movie of mm-hmm. his fans in real life. So I feel like this was almost like, you know, just let's just, I don't know, throw this together as a way of like celebrating the last five films and make it whatever we want. So I do feel like there was a little, there are too many characters because the, the actual storyline that's about the daughter and his lineage and the backstory, I liked all that a lot, but then there were like all these, these random characters that I was like, wait a minute, why why is he in this? And what is it? You know? Mm -hmm. So I found myself feeling that way. But yeah, a lot of people survived. And and I think that maybe it's because they thought this was going to be the last film. Like yeah. really thought it was going to be the last film, so they're like, you know, let's let's make him the one who's, you know, gets destroyed and other people get to live. I don't know. But, yeah, no, yeah. I've I've seen interviews with the filmmaker and stuff and and uh yeah, they thought it was over. Yeah, they thought and you know over. the next films are like remakes, reincarnations, the new nightmare type of thing. I mean, I don't know. I I, I haven't watched them yet. I mean, I obviously watched Freddy versus Jason, but the other new two Nightmare's, I haven't seen. Yeah, I saw New Nightmare in the theater when it came out, but mm-hmm. I haven't seen it. I don't know if I've seen it since, but I did like it. And and one of the reasons is we have Heather Langenkamp back, and we have Robert England, and they're essentially playing themselves in the movie because it's you know it's supposed to take place outside of the film which is why we get these guys back. So it's a it's a portal to the real world. That sounds um, inventive. I'm going to enjoy that. Yeah, I, I thought it was, and it had some really good creep factors in it. I thought the special effects were, were good for its time. It was 1994. So I'm going to enjoy watching it again. Yeah, I, I'm going to enjoy seeing the whole thing, right? Like I had never taken myself through all of these movies. So mm-hmm. <laughs> great. Yeah, I mean, all right. I'm excited to hear what you think. Yeah, it'll be, you know, and that's kind of rare too, right? Where people are watching them new now, four million years later. I just haven't mm-hmm. seen those movies. Or maybe I get in the middle of them like, oh, I saw this. I mean, you know, maybe it's a wah, wah she just doesn't remember it. Mm-hmm. But I also, during this time, Freddie, Robert England, had a tv series you know they did a friday the 13th tv series it had nothing to do with the movies (laughs) and then they did freddy's nightmare i think it was called that apparently no one was really paying attention to so the makers of it which were involved with the movies could just do whatever they want and they're sort of saying it's uh, the, the interviews i saw were like they were sort of saying it was slop but that the first five or six episodes were pretty good but there's a mm-hmm. pilot i guess that robert england talks about there's a pilot out there that he says like if you watch the pilot of this tv series you'll see what we were trying to do we were actually trying to have a horror you know it was supposed to be scary it was you know we weren't trying to dampen it down we were trying mm-hmm. to make it scary and apparently this pilot is a good representation of that and then i saw another interview with someone else that said like oh the first five or six are pretty good and then it kind of goes off the rails but also what was happening is <laughs> they were shooting all this extra footage you know all this like gory stuff and sexy stuff that they knew full well wasn't going to make it to television right but they were just so I would like to see all of that footage. I don't know. Yeah. If, I don't know if there's a, maybe you guys know there's a DVD out there that has all the extra footage, you know, the outtakes and, and all of that. I'm sure the nerds, including us would I love to I like see all, all that. that behind. I like all the behind the scenes stuff. And they do that for a lot of the slashers, the documentaries, mm-hmm. and those are fun to watch. You can really see how these first six, you know, the first one was great, but then 
and and the second one was interesting and and certainly culturally relevant. And then they just hit this high with three and four. Mm -hmm. And then now we're kind of sliding down the other side a little bit. Although I enjoyed six, actually. I I like I actually like six, too. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. I had never, of course, seen it before. So I was surprised because, you know, definitely had the most most psychology in it. Yeah, so maybe that's why I enjoyed it. I just I thought the actor that played the young Freddy Krueger was really good. Mm-hmm. I I enjoyed knowing where it kind of came from and stuff, and they did it in a way that was interesting to me. You know, sometimes Halloween movies or Friday the Thirteenth movies can stop down and do a little trauma unload, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh god, please. But with this, I I found it interesting. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Did you do you have a favorite of all these? You still three is still your favorite. Yeah, three is definitely my favorite, and I I like New Nightmare as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited for you to watch that. I yeah. mean, if it still holds, I, again, it's been a while since I've seen it. I just remember really liking it when I saw it. Yeah, cool. And I have noticed just in general before we take a break, I've noticed in general this one. I know this is a crowd favorite, like all the Nightmare on Elm Streets. You know, a lot of times, what's your favorite franchise? It'll be Nightmare on Elm Street. Will be the answer. It's very very popular. Mm-hmm. Because, and I think there's reasons for that. One of the reasons I would say is that he's so funny and, and as a, a horror villain, so entertaining. Robert England is so great. But also that there that there's a through line. Like the rules don't change. His rules don't change. Who he is, what he can do, what he can't do, how people react to him, what he how he kills. It, it remains consistent. That's and, right. And I think in other franchises, in some of them anyway, that inconsistency around who Jason or whoever is, or Michael Myers in particular, like who they are, what they do, like it shifts and then there's new stuff, you know, like they get kind of go all over the place. And it does seem like the filmmakers in this franchise, even though they were different along the way, tried to keep that intact and put their own spin on it additionally but they did way more so than they did for halloween or friday the 13th that's for sure yeah for sure so i can see Mm -hmm. why people love this one because it's congruent you know whether you like this movie or that movie at least freddie is the through line and it's and he he and him stay pretty congruent and i'm gonna go out on a limb and and give robert england credit for that yeah (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. because when you have the same person play this like if kane hodder had played all of the Jason Voorhees I feel like it would have been consistent because when he played it there was consistency in that character in my opinion because he fought for that character on the set he fought for like oh Jason wouldn't do that and that's what Robert England did yep yeah he was intentional for sure yeah so anyway so that's five and six and then uh next week we are going to wrap it up we're just gonna rip off that band-aid wrap it up with a seven eight and nine in that franchise and be done with that and move to scream because we know we're working on a pretty quick deadline that we might not make the new scream is coming out uh, later in january and so we would like to do a rewatch of scream just for ourselves but we're gonna talk about them for you guys and the scream franchise is also widely one of the especially for 80s babies the nineties, you know, Scream was is their favorite franchise. So, yeah, it's it's one of my favorites. Yeah, cool. So we're gonna do that next. But first, we are going to take a break, and we're gonna come back, wrap it up with some of our our books and watches, and also the answers to horror facts with Kath. So we'll be right back.
the little doggies barking in the background for Kathy. I don't think anybody else can hear them, but we can. <laughs> I know. I've got, well, I've got my two and then my brother and sister-in-law's two, so we have four. Wherever you go, there's a entourage of animals. Oh, my, my sister-in-law calls me the Pied Piper because no matter where I am in the house, they're all following me. <laughs> they're like, she's the mommy. <laughs> Well, when she when my sister in law gets back this week, then they're all gonna be. She's the alpha. They're all gonna be following her. Okay, okay. you'll get a break. <laughs> I got a break. Uh, you know, I meant to talk about this at the top of the show, so I'll, I'll do this real quickly. I, we were talking about coming off the lull of the holidays, and it's like, what's next? And you know, you and I do the show because we embrace horror all year long. And one one of the things I'm really looking forward to this year is we're actually getting Stranger Things back. So season four comes back in, in mid-year. But there's also a, if you're in the L.A. area, Stranger Con, which is like a like a horror conference. It's called Stranger Con based on Stranger Things. It's a salute to the TV series Stranger Things. And it will be going up January 8th and 9th at the L.A. Convention Center in Los Angeles. So um, you can get your tickets now. And I don't know everything about it, but if you go to the website, it's Creation Inter- Creation Entertainment. So it's creationent.com forward slash Cal forward slash stranger. Uh, it'll pull up and check it out. Nice. Are you? Do you think you might go or no? It's not going to work out. I, you know what? I'm just getting back into town that week. So it's going to be a little rushed. Oh, um, yeah. That'd be too tight. You know, yeah. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to look forward to seeing some people post some pictures. So right on. Yeah. I wanted to give the um, next chapter installment of The Haunted Vagina for everyone. Yes. So for those of you who have not been listening, there's a book and it is called The Haunted Vagina. It's by Carlton Mellick III. I, I, it's a quickie. It's like a novella. It's only 90 some pages long. And uh, I recommend you give Carlton your money because he's got all kinds of wacky little books. He wrote a book called Ape Shit as well. Well, so I'm looking forward to checking that out. So for the next chapter installment of this book, I just want to mention to you, Kathy, that our fearless hero, he ends up, uh, they decide, they hatch a plan. So this girl with the haunted vagina and her boyfriend, who is our narrator of this book, they hatch a plan. And that plan includes that he is going to crawl up inside of her to check things out. Oh, of course he is. Yeah. Like he needed an excuse for that. Yeah. I mean, but literally, so whole body going in. (laughs) Just crawling up. I mean, I guess she has a lot of room after the skeleton came out. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. They figure out, okay, so there's a hauntedness. So if you're going to, if you're going to go into the haunted house, someone's got to agree to go into the haunted house to figure out what's going on. And so this just happens to be a haunted vagina. So he is our Indy, Indiana Jones, going up into the vagina. So they hatch a plan and she lays back on the bed and pulls everything apart and they stretch her out and, you know, it's a gateway. So he uses it as such. So he tries to... (laughs) He tries to get up in there. And of course, it needs to be wet for this to be successful. Okay. So there's sexual parts to this. Of course, you can't have vagina in the title of your book and not have this be sexual. So sometimes, you know, she starts to get drier and he can't get, you know, a shoulder in or whatever. And so she, (laughs) Kathy's just shaking her head at me. And so they get it a little bit wetter as we do and sort that out. But I do want to say that at one point his hair 
is hurting her inside so much. The hair is scratching her inside oh, of her God. canal that that he pulls back out. So he got like his shoulders in and everything. Then he pulls back out and she shaves his head. <laughs> oh my God. It's like she's like putting a baby back in there. Yes. Shaves his head. I mean, this is uproariously funny to me. Like when I'm reading it, I'm laughing out loud. At one point he tries to get out. Like he's almost all the way in and he's like, I can't do this anymore. Like I got to get out of here. I'm getting claustrophobic or whatever. Cause he thinks the canal is oh, gonna... he's the uncomfortable one. <laughs> yeah. She, she's the one driving this bus. I tell you, she's oh, the one that's like, goodness. you got to get up in there and figure out what's going on. So she's definitely oh, driving the um, plot bus. Yeah. He almost gives up because it seems like the canal is going to go on and on forever and he's never going to hit the part where he can like get all the way in and stand up or whatever. And so like AKA the uterus. Correct. Like, where, I mean, yeah. Okay. Correct. And so right. he, he starts to think that it's not going to happen. Like he's nervous as you would, as you would be if you were crawling up a vagina as a grown man. And so he starts to try to come out. And what she does is she's, she's like, no, 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 don't you're almost in whatever. And she, pushes him over and squats on top of him and pushes him up in there. If you can oh imagine. My God. So he's like 75% of the way in. He wants to give up. He starts to pull out. She's like, no fucking way. So she tips over and she squats so he can't go anywhere. And she sits down on him and he pops okay. into her vagina. And then he, and that's the end of the chapter. Well, this is sure getting exciting. <laughs> My favorite part of this is Kathy is so excited when we have one of these installments. But then when I actually talk about whatever happened in the chapter, her face is just like, what? <laughs> I, I mean, because I, I really try to 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 go there visually with you. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I'm picturing this grown ass man crawling back into the uterus, which we could really, really yes. uh, analyze that. Yes. Um, and and the fact that she even had to, like, you know, shave his head like a newborn baby and. <laughs> And he's fighting to go in or he's fighting to come out. I mean, every, I mean, again, like it, I go back to my, my niece the other day and I even said this poor baby doesn't want to come out because who wants to come out in this world? And birth is traumatic, right? It's a traumatic experience. So this whole thing is just keeps, wow, there's, it, we could really unpack this on its own show. And we, we just might at the very end. <laughs> Okay. I'm going to, I'm definitely going to, you know, you keep making your notes. You keep having your reactions, which are priceless and I wouldn't have it any other way. And I will keep taking a hit for reading this book and we will get all the way through this. And then I will show you a picture of Carlton and we will talk about this book in the whole, as a whole. And I'm really looking forward to that. Okay. I'm looking for, I mean, I do enjoy the, the updates. I just, ever, I'm, <laughs> You never cease to amaze me. Yeah, I with, like to shock. Yeah. I like the shocked face that you yeah. end up having at the end of these Wonderful. discussions. And now you can move on to whatever movie you watched. I watched. I don't know if you've seen this, but if you haven't, I was. I told both my associates about this, um, and it really freaked me out because it's really a clinician's nightmare. This movie, the movie itself, got decent reviews, but again, I think if it isn't personal to you. It may not translate as well. It's a movie called Clinical from 2017. It's a horror thriller. Have you ever seen this? No, I have i don't think so. I'm going to look it up real quick and okay. make sure. Okay. So Dr. Jane Mathis, played by Vanessa Shaw, is a psychiatrist and an expert at confrontational therapy. Two years ago, she had a patient, Nora Green, who attacked her and attempted suicide in her home. As a result, Dr. Mathis developed PTSD and sleep paralysis, 
which led her to seek help from Dr. Terry Drummond, who plays her therapist. She has also begun to date a police officer named Miles. Against Dr. Terry's advice, she continues her practice as a psychiatrist, albeit not prescribing medication. She reluctantly agrees to see a new patient, Alex, whose face was disfigured from a car accident. One night, he is seen sleepwalking inside her house, prompting Jane to call the police. Alex persuades her to continue their sessions, appealing to her expertise and understanding. Mm-hmm. So it's really loaded. It already a standalone movie as a horror thriller. It's it's good, but um, if you're a clinician, it also expands into our fear around when we become enmeshed with our clients when we have traumas um that uh, we end up carrying into um sessions with clients where we might have a lot of i don't know shared experiences so that can can really pull us into that enmeshment when we are not being aware enough and we're not allowing boundaries to be in place and the list goes on and and Vanessa Shaw does a really good job because a lot of times they make these therapists really weak and um, you know maybe it helped that they made her a psychiatrist and not a therapist but um, you know usually if they if it's a psychiatrist or psychologist they try to do a little bit better and I I think that's just the bias of oh it's a doctor so we're going to make them but even with that sometimes they, they they write them poorly and so I felt like they made her vulnerable enough and she played it vulnerable enough but she wasn't vulnerable because she was stupid or she was naive. She was vulnerable because her trauma was her blind spot. Because as a psychiatrist, she actually had a lot of boundaries around medication. She was trying to profit from the experience of her past. But this story continues to unfold. And when you think it's scary enough, here comes the second layer and you go, well, goddamn, I knew <laughs> something was up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I just recommend it for people in the industry because it is really a cautionary tale to how safe and private and how many boundaries we have to have to not allow something like this to happen. Although it's, you know, it's it's a little bit over the top because it's Hollywood, I I will say that it this the chances of this would be slim, but what happens in this movie could happen. So, you know, it's not like the supernatural thing where you're like, oh, okay, this could happen if, you know, especially those of us who have worked in forensic settings. So, whoo, it's a it's a good one. Yeah, it's it's not like it's the norm or that it happens all the time, no. but it's it's def- it's realistic in the sense that in extreme circumstances it could absolutely happen. And with it, it sounds like with certain blunders clinically on the clinician's part, right? Like you make certain it, yeah. choices along the way, and those choices have repercussions. So, and it's why we, it's exactly why we have privacy and boundaries, and why we don't self-disclose everything it keeps us uh she even says i love this line in the movie she says you know i i i have to remain at a certain distance in order for me to really help you and so um it's i just i i thought it was good okay cool i will put it on my list i i did look it up and i have not seen it so okay looking forward to that i watched a movie called 13 eerie which is from 2013. It's a sci-fi horror. It's around 90 minutes long. And I was really surprised, like I had never heard of it. And it was one of those, like, I'm just going to click play kind of things on it. And Mm -hmm. it ended up being 
very enjoyable to me. So there's there's gross out, there's body horror. It's six forensics undergraduates. So not psychological forensics, but mm-hmm. foren- body forensics. Like Under- an- anthropology, probably. There yeah. you go. Six forensics undergraduates stay on a remote island to win an esteemed Ooh. trainee position with the FBI. But no one knows that the site was used as an illegal biological testing ground and now horrifying creatures lurk in the shadows. So basically, these six undergraduates go to this remote island. They're trying to get a position with the FBI. This is like the, the, the test. But what they don't know, back in the day, it was used as an illegal biological testing ground. And that has created these creatures. <laughs> One of the challenge items for our uh, movie challenge watches for December in the Discord, one of the categories that I chose was science gone wrong. Mm-hmm. And so I used that this one for that. And I Ooh. honestly didn't even know that this was going to, I literally just pushed play on something and I actually really enjoyed it. It doesn't have the greatest like Rotten Tomatoes reviews or whatever, but like, yeah. I don't, I don't care. I don't understand that. Yeah, exactly. Because it's pretty yeah. solid. So, and it's gross. And I like the creatures. I mean, that's really all a creature thing has to do is you have to have good totally. creatures and people have to be killed and scared. And all of those things happen. So I really enjoyed that. Awesome. That and sounds I really good, it. actually. Yeah, I think you might yeah. like it. The other one I watched was a really fun one called 10 Minutes to Midnight. came out this year. I, saw, I watched it on Prime with um, Caroline Williams, who is, you know, flipping legend, right? She was in Hatchet. She was in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. An aged Caroline Thompson, which uh, to be honest with you, I love when these slasher actors age and they're still doing stuff. It just like me to work and it's so cool because she's a legend. So um, and actually, ironically, the movie is a metaphor for ageism, but it's uh, a veteran late night radio host play, played by her by Caroline Williams, on the eve of forced retirement, is trapped inside the station after being bitten by a rabid bat while her mysterious replacement follows her every move. It is a blood fest. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they want to get rid of her. There's a lot of age. Oh, you know, you were so great on. And she finds out that the woman who's replacing her is now banging the producer. And she's like, oh, I see what this is all about. And she comes in and she's got this gaping like vampire bat bite on her neck and they're like do you want to get that checked out she's like no just let me record my show i'm fine you know Mm -hmm. and then she starts to transform and just a bloodbath ensues and i won't tell you anymore because it's a slasher it's not that deep so any more that i give you i'm going to give away the whole movie it's a lot of fun if you like you know blood blood and gore and classic horror actors yeah, awesome. I have seen that one and I thought it was a lot of fun too. Mostly because I loved watching Carolyn Williams and I totally. like a I like a protagonist, you know, over fifty or whatever. I like Absolutely. I like it when they're she was she's older. a badass in it too. She was she was a badass. It was mm-hmm. a lot of fun. And I and I definitely liked the the biting aspect of it. I mean, there were ridiculous parts, of course, but oh yeah, but the whole thing's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's not deep yeah. at all. But the bloodbath part of it, I thought, was really fun, and she was really fun to watch, just to watch her. So I'm not objective because I just liked watching her. <laughs> so cool. there's that. <laughs> but there's I, that. Yeah, there's that. I also actually watched a a true crime 
thingamabob here. It was, it's called the slow hustle. It came out in 2021 after Baltimore police detective Sean Souter is shot and found dead while on duty. The tragedy soon becomes enmeshed in a widening corruption scandal that threatens to unravel, unravel the public's already strained relationship with law enforcement. So this is about the Baltimore police department. And for most Americans, if you follow crime news at all, true crime, police actions, et cetera, you understand that the Baltimore police department has had its struggles it's mm-hmm. it's famous, just like the Los Angeles Police Department is pretty famous and has had its struggles and many historic events have happened that have affected LA and the LAPD. Baltimore mm-hmm. is the same is the same way. And so this was about okay. a uh, this man's shooting and the drama that ensued and the different elements that happened. And I will say that this is a good one because it's, it's 80 minutes. I mean, it's 90 minutes long. It's not a a series. Yeah. I may have misspoken and said it was a series, but it's not, it's 90 minutes long. It's a, it's a movie. It's on HBO max. I just, I thought it was interesting because it does take you on a journey. You know, these true crime documentaries where there's no, I hate to say it, but they have to play a little bit like a drama, right? They have to cut them and they have Mm -hmm. to tell the story like a drama and you have to have twists and turns and you have to have reveals Mm -hmm. and things you didn't expect and perspectives that are different from one another. And this one has all of that. So, so for a 90 minute series, it didn't elongate it into a six hour mini series like they're doing with all these things. Thank goodness gracious, because that's where I think they get into trouble right now is they're making them all into four part series and there's just not enough story there. Exactly. So this one's pretty good. It's called yeah. The Slow Hustle. It's on HBO Max 2021. So I wanted to mention that. Nice. I also watched Kill Chain from 2019, which is a Nick Cage. <laughs> oh, God. I, I had to. I had to. It's Nick Cage. A hotel room shootout between two assassins. He's an assassin. Kicks off yeah. a long night where bodies fall like dominoes as we follow a chain of crooked cops, gangsters, hitmen, a femme fatale, and an ex-mercenary through the, a relay of murder, betrayal, revenge, or oh, redemption. Yikes. Well, that sounds like a whole lot of shit. I will say, if you like Nick Cage, of course, it's entertaining, but this is definitely on the side of... Mm, <laughs> If you're on the yeah. side of wanting to criticize Nick Cage, this is one of those ones where mm, it's not it's not it's not good. I mean, I like Nick Cage, but this one's not good. I mean, he's made some great movies lately. I mean, Willy's Wonderland. I love the I know, movie. You really love that one. I love the mm-hmm. movie Pig that he did, which is a dramatic role, more of more definitely more of an actor role, not horror. It's drama. He's definitely like a hardcore actor in that one. It's like Nick all the way reeled back and it's a great flick. It's called pig, but yeah, no kill chain is one of those ones where, I mean, I want to watch every single Nick cage movie ever made. It might take the rest of my life because he's made so many movies, but so that was just another one. Check it off the list. Awesome. I was just talking. I was just talking the other day um, with my nephew about just when Nick Cage was like in his prime and when he did Leaving Las Vegas and what a year that was for Oscars between him and um, Sean Penn for Dead Man Walking. I mean, that was just like such an emotional year for the Academy. And yes. and then to think of like all the shit that he's done. That's what I love about him, though. I mean, me Raising Arizona to me is one of the best comedies ever made. You know, so he's he's yeah, phenomenal. He, he's great. 
He's, he's phenomenal. Phenomenal at being a, a wackadoo. Well, and it, here's the thing: is it's like with a bad script and a bad, in a you know, medium meh kind of movie, he looks like the worst actor you've ever seen on the planet. He because right. he's odd and he does these odd crazy things. And there's definitely moments in this movie where he does the odd crazy things, and you go, ah, oh, <laughs> Nick Cage, oh god, right. you know. But within context, when he's doing a serious role or he's doing a balls out funny role. He's he nails it. So he's really all over the he place. Does. But I also like the fact that he likes to work. He just likes to work. He does. And he's a horror icon now. So gotta love it. Anyway, gotta so the last thing we have to do here on the show is the answers to horror facts with Kath. Please, please. I have them, I have them right here for you. <laughs> I can give them to you if you want them. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Number I mean, one. If you it, must. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like that's really why people stayed the whole show. Oh, for sure. Get, you know, is for you. If you're still here or you fast forwarded this part. Uh, let's be real. <laughs> the number one, this female insect fakes their own death to prevent rape. Well, I think I know this one. So, I mean, I could totally be wrong, but but I think I actually know this one. I think it's the dragonfly. You are correct. Oh, okay, good. I kind of knew that. Wow. There was a Can re- we rephrase there- that as what is the dragonfly? <laughs> oh, do we have new roles? <laughs> we might want to do the whole Jeopardy. What is the dragonfly? <laughs> yeah. Number two. On Mount Everest, you have the Rainbow Valley, which is the last zone to climb. Why is it called the Rainbow Valley? Mm, I don't know. It's pretty sad, actually. It's uh, named after the col- the colorful jackets of dead climbers who are frozen in time against the harsh snow. Oh. Yeah, it's the, it's, when you, so just to give a little bit more to this. So when you climb that last little bit, which is not a little, it's like 10,000 feet. So I did Kilimanjaro, Everest is another 10,000, which in a day is really not a lot, but at that altitude it is. Oh my gosh, it probably seems like forever. At that altitude, absolutely. I mean, even not at that altitude, it can take you a whole day to do 10,000. But at that altitude, it's really crazy. And you have only like a minute or something to be at that top. Otherwise, you, your body starts to shut down because of the, the people who start to climb at that point have to have oxygen on. Um, and so that last little bit, that's usually where you see people kind of holding the rope behind each other. Um, that is what can happen there. When I did Killy, and we, Killy's like 19,005 or something around that, 198, uh, that was really flipping high. And I, thankfully, I did not need oxygen, but if I would have gone any higher, absolutely. So I, I just can't imagine going another 10,000. That's just, or 11,000. It's insane. It's a lot. That's that. Number three, during the French Revolution, people who were to be executed by the guillotine would fight to go first. Why was this the case? So I actually don't know, but I'm just like reasoning it in my mind. Yeah, is you like, kind of can. Yeah, I mean, like if I put myself in that position, I'm thinking like if I put my head in, you know, I'm the last person of the day and there's 10 heads and blood and guts and smell and I'm looking down at that as the last thing I see, like I'm not going to enjoy that. There could be an element of that, but to add even more, it's because the blade would dull after multiple uses mm-hmm. and it wouldn't cut the head clean off. Oh, so Jesus. sometimes people would have to pull it back up. Okay, no. And then, yeah. <laughs> yeah okay, right? no. I said trigger warning on yeah, these. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, I number four, which horror director started by directing hardcore porn? 
Well, the only one I could think, I mean, there's probably many, I'm guessing, but the think only about one, his early stuff. But the only the only one I can think of is Wes Craven. Yep. I mean, okay. Last House on the Left was pretty much called a, a soft porn, torture yeah. porn, right? I'm I'm guessing there's more than one though because of course, mm-hmm. softcore or hardcore porn is somewhere where like directors can get hired pretty easily when you don't have any credits. So, and coming out of the 70s. Yeah. Right. Right? And there's money. Um, there's number, probably money. <laughs> and and there's money. Yeah. Um, and actually, one of the guys that was in Last House on the Left was in hardcore porn, and he actually was ashamed of doing Last House on the Left. He couldn't even watch it because it was just, it was so uh, tormenting. Yeah. Uh, number f- number five, according to Mary Shelley, how tall and heavy was Frankenstein's monster? Um, heavy, I don't remember, but I think he's eight feet tall. He is eight feet tall at 300 pounds. Okay, well, that's appropriate. That's a pretty skinny for, dude. Yeah, I was going to say that's appropriate for eight feet tall, but also not that much. You no, know, he like, looks heavier than that because, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you if you think about somebody who's 6'5 can weigh 275 and, and look like proportioned, you know, so. Yep. Yep. All right. There it is. Well, thank you so much, Miss Kathy. That's amazing. So next week we are going to wrap up the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street series with just watching up the last three and checking those out and wrap that up and then go on to, we're actually going to do a true crime documentary, City of Angels. I believe there's another part to the name of that. City of Angels, City of Death. Thank you. And then we're going to go into the Scream franchise after that because we are very much anticipating the new movie. <laughs> we want to We are. We want to see what they're up to. Very exciting. So thank you so much for listening. This has been an episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon and I'm Kathy. Happy New Year and sleep safe. Mm-hmm.